morning I want to talk to you. We've been talking about breakouts, but this morning I want to talk to you about breakthrough. And I want to talk to you from the topic, what do you do when you're faced with obstacles? What do you do when you're faced with obstacles? Let me give you a couple of announcements. I know there was something I was missing. Um, just to, We'll say some of these things at the end, but I just want you to know about them right now. Tonight is our All Church Connect. We're going to do connect groups a little different this, this year. We'll be saying more about those soon. We're going to do them once a month, and we'll tell you about those very soon. But tonight is All Church Connect at the Hope Center. You, y'all, you ladies, give us the address because I don't remember it. Whatever they said. There you go, that thing. I'm not, I'm not Lewis and Clark. I'm not good with directions, but if you go left out of here all the way to the speed store in Washington, make a right, and you'll see it on the right. We are having a cornhole, our first annual cornhole tournament tonight. The winners get a gift card, and they get um, two, actually both of them get gift cards, and they get a little trophy. So we're excited about that. And all the food is provided. Everything's going to be a safe environment. Everything will be outside. We've got hamburgers, um, chips, cookies, drinks. Everything will be individual. So um, you can come and be a part of that. That's at 5 o'clock tonight. And then one thing I want to announce, they'll say more about this at the end, but next Sunday night, uh, we're going to do baptisms at the Purcell Lake. We have a thing here. We have a baptism here. We've done them here. We want to do something different this time. We're going to do it at the lake next Sunday night at 5 p.m. And if you'd like to be a part of that, we'll have a little bit of worship, and then we'll have baptisms. You're, liable, you're welcome to bring a chair and sit and watch. You can stand. Um, and then afterwards, if people want to hang out and have picnics out there, you're welcome to do that as well. It's just going to be a fun evening. So if you would like to be a part of that, if you will sign up at the Welcome Centers, we have T-shirts we give everybody who gets baptized. That'll be next Sunday night at 5 p.m. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 have it this morning say amen. amen now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel all the Philistines went up to search for David and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim so David inquired of the Lord saying shall I go up against the Philistines will you deliver them into my hand and the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. Then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless your word. We thank you that your word goes forth and your word does not return void. So may your word go forth to our hearts and our ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn around and wave at somebody. Say, I'm glad to see you and you may be seated. I want to jump right into the story today. David has just been anointed king for the third time. 
Most of us know the, about the first anointing of David. It's the one we read about as kids in children's church. It's where the prophet Samuel comes to, de, comes to Jesse and says, line up your boys. I want to find a king. Saul was king, but Samuel realized that God had taken his hand off of Saul and favor off of Saul. And so Samuel goes to find a king and he lines up the sons of Jesse and God says, no, 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 no. And then eventually um, God, uh, Samuel says to Jesse, you got any more kids? And Jesse says, well, there's this one boy named David, but he's out in the fields. We don't really know, you know, invite him to family functions very often. And so he's out there working while we're here. And Samuel says, call him. And then all of a sudden, when David shows up, God says, that's the one. And Samuel says these famous words, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And David is anointed in that moment for the first time. He is anointed as king. The second anointing comes whenever Saul and Jonathan are killed. He is anointed king over Judah. And the Bible says he served in that capacity for seven and a half years. But after that, all of Israel came to David and all of Israel said, we want you to be our king. And so in this moment, they anoint him king for the third time and he is king over all the house of Israel. And in that moment... Something happens. The Bible says the Philistines. This is a, a giant, or excuse me, this is an obstacle or an enemy that David has been facing for a long time. You know, sometimes you think you've conquered an enemy and they can just show back up and pop their head back up out of nowhere. Here's David who thinks, man, I've killed Goliath. I get, I'm tired of these Philistines. They keep showing up. And this time, they have put themselves in the Valley of Rephaim. And the reason that is important is because the Valley of Rephaim means the Valley of the Giants. David is against the Philistines. They're known as being big boys. They're known as being giants. And he is facing an obstacle in his life. Every single one of us, at some point in our life, are going to come up against the Valley of Rephaim. We're going to come up against obstacles in our life that seem like they're too great for us to be able to conquer, for us to be able to come up against. And here is David, and he is up against an obstacle. But here is the question this morning. We're all going to have obstacles. The question is, how do we make it through the obstacles? How do we get through a problem or a situation in our life? Here's the problem. Many people allow the issues and the obstacles to define them. Have you ever met a bitter person? And they're bitter because 20 years ago something happened to them and they've never been able to forget about it. They've never been able to let it go. And 20 years later they are still bitter because that situation defined them. But we are called to not allow uh, situations to define us. We are called to define our situations we're called to look at it and realize all of us are going to go through problems at some point but how we get through it matters there was a book written in 1962 by a couple Victor and Mildred Gortzel I might have said their last name wrong but you don't know them so it really don't matter and they wrote a book and the book was called cradles of eminence and they studied 413 people that they felt like had been great in their life, had done something great in their life. 413 individuals, they studied their life from birth to death to figure out what did they do, what did they have in common that created something great in them that they could do greatness in their life and make a difference for God and in society. And when they studied these, the majority of them, 392 out of the 413, 
16 had one thing in common across the board. And here was the one thing in common. Every single one of them had some major obstacle in their life that they had to go through that produced in them the ability to be able to do something great and to make a difference for God. And every single one of us go through valleys. Every single one of us go through trials. Every single one of us go through situations and obstacles. But the psalmist said this way. He said, when I go through the valley of Baca, I go through the valley of weeping, I make it a wellspring. With God's help, we go through a difficult time. But when we look back, we have made it a place of a watering well where we can draw water, we can draw life from it. We go through it, but we don't let it define us. Instead, we define what happened around us. Amen? And so we're all going to face obstacles, we're all going to face issues, we're all going to face things, but how do we go through those? David did three things here that are important, and I want you to know, number one, I want you to know those three things. Number one, David inquired of the Lord. If you're going to get through an obstacle, the first thing you've got to do is ask God. Ask God. David was not perfect, he blew it many times, we know that. But the reason David was a man after God's own heart, in my opinion, is because David kept asking God. Even in the middle of times he was messing up, he still knew where his source was, and he would go to God, and he would ask God. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I believe God wants to give us wisdom. God wants to lavish us wisdom and why in the world if God if, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he's already been in our tomorrow why in the world would we not want to ask wisdom about what to do because he knows what we need to do and how we need to do it Solomon wisest man ever lived wasn't because of his choices he turned his back on God he, he, he worshiped other idols he had 700 wives which means he had 700 mother-in-laws that, that, that can't be the wisest man by your choices. My mother-in-law's not here, so I can say this. I don't know if she watches online. If you do, Mary, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> but the truth is, the reason Solomon was the wisest man to ever live was because when God said, what do you want, Solomon? What's something I can grant you? He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for power. He said, give me wisdom. And in that moment, God granted it to him, and he became the wisest man that ever lived. And I believe what God, in our life, God's simply saying, just ask me. David inquired. David said, should I go up? Should I do this? What should I do? And he kept asking God, not just one time. He kept asking. And then number two is this. Not only do you ask, but you need to listen, and you need to obey. You need to listen to what God says, and you need to obey what he's telling you to do. Because here's the key of this. Listen, I love this. The first time, God tells David, go up, for I will give you the enemy. Go straight up at him. You just face him head on. David takes his men, heads up, goes head on toward him. And guess what happens? He defeats the Philistines. But then, they regroup. I hate it when my enemies regroup. <laughs> That's difficult sometimes. But they regroup. And David, here's what, here's what most church folks would have done. Well, you know what? The first time, I did it this way and it worked, so I'm just going to do that again. But you know what David did? David asked God a second time, should I go up? And God says, no, do not go that way. Because if you do, you will be defeated. 
Here's the thing. So many times we get stuck doing the same thing over and over and over. You know the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And we do the same thing time and time again. And we wonder, why aren't things changing for me? Listen to me. Just because God did it one time that way doesn't mean God's going to do it another time that way. God's a God. He doesn't change. But how many of you know the methods and the way things happen, they do change. And if we're not open to that, listen, I believe in this time in our nation and in our world, God wants to give us new wine. He wants to do something new in our midst. But you can't put new wine in an old wineskin or it'll burst out of it. We've got to have a new paradigm. We've got to have a new wineskin to hold what God wants to do in this hour. And we've got to be listening and obeying and saying, God, what are you saying to us right now in this moment? I'm glad you blessed my grandmama. I'm glad you blessed my mama and daddy. But guess what? I'm not riding their coattails. I want you to do it right now in this generation. I want a move of God right now in my midst. So God, what are you doing right now? And I want to jump on board that, what God is already doing. And so David the second time says, should I go up? And I love, something's happened in my life. I'm almost 40. When I was a kid, I'd go home and my dad would be sitting there watching black and white military movies. And I would groan, oh. I have to watch this. You know, the planes dropping the bombs and black and white. And, and now I go home and I'm doing the same thing. I'm finding those. I've become my father. I'm watching those videos. The truth is God is the greatest military strategist that's ever existed. He tells, he, God tells David, don't go the straight way. If you do, you'll be defeated. But instead, I want you to go behind them and surprise them. And I want you to listen to my voice again. I want you to wait. This is the part we don't like, the waiting part. But God says, I've got a perfect timing. I know what I'm doing. If you'll just trust me, David, when the moment hits, here's what's going to happen, David. You're going to hear the rustling in the tops of the mulberry trees. And when you hear the rustling in the tops of the mulberry trees, you know that I am on the move. And when I'm on the move, if you'll just go where I tell you to go, David, you will drive them back and you will defeat them. And most of us, we try to do it in our own power. We try to do it in our own timing. But God's timing is not our timing. If we will wait on God, God says, now I want you to move. Now's the time to move. Now's the time to do it. And when you're listening and you're obeying that voice and you're doing what God has called you to do, all of a sudden when you move and God's behind you, there is no force in hell that can stop you because you've got the greatest power in the universe backing you up. And you realize, I heard the rustling in the mulberry trees and now it's time for us to move. Now's the time to go. And because David listened and he asked God God said if you'll do it my way I'm going to bless that and it may be different one time from the next but if you'll do it then I'm going to be with you and you're going to win amen in that moment happened David won the battle but he did something and number three is this when that happens we must remember what God did David named the place one thing I love about the Old Testament is because they would name places They would say, this is Bethel, the place I met with God. This is the place where me and God met. They would would name places throughout Scripture. And David said, this is Baal, and and Baal is normally mentioned for false gods, but it's the word God. And he says, this is Baal Perazim. And Perazim means breakthrough. And what David was saying is, God is the God of the breakthrough. We just celebrated 9-11. 
And on 9-11, I, I don't know if you remember where you were at. I put this on Facebook, but um, I was at Bible college. I was a sophomore at Southwestern Christian University, and um, I got asked to preach, and that was a, a great honor to be able to preach as a sophomore to upperclassmen and to the professors and all of these things. And back then, we had suits and ties on for chapel, and I, I did something I shouldn't have done that morning. I skipped a class to go to, to because I was going to preach. My professors never liked when you did that, but I wanted to make sure my sermon was ready, so I was walking around praying, reading my sermon, and whenever we got the news that the towers had been hit and we canceled chapel and we gathered and we literally got on our face in chairs in the chapel and we began to cry out in prayer for our nation. And what, what came out of that? We remembered. We remembered. Something that happened to me a couple years later, this is not, the whole situation is obviously not funny, but this is kind of a comical thing. I went to New York City and they hadn't built the towers yet, rebuilt the memorial. And so we go and they told me we're going to eat lunch at this place and right across the street is going to be the memorial. And so I walk out and I'm there with my job and, and, and we're doing a tour of New York City and a tour of Metro Ministries up there. And so while I'm there, I, I walk out by myself. I just wanted a alone moment thinking about everything that had happened. So I'm standing there at a fence that is surrounding this property and I began to have tears in my eyes thinking about the people that gave their life and I'm just, you know, really, I mean, having a heartfelt moment. Somebody says, hey, you ready to go? I said, where are we going? They said, the memorial. I said, it's right here. And they said, no, that's an empty parking lot that they demolished and there's a hole in the ground. And so, <laughs> so I walked down the road and had another moment, okay? I had two moments that day. I thought that was my moment, but it was just an empty parking lot with holes in the ground. I couldn't see. I just knew there wasn't there any, nothing there anymore and there's a fence up. So I figured that was the war, I mean, that was the bombing memorial. But anyway. But the truth is, we remember where we, we remember those things. Once again, I love history. Alamo, what was it? Remember the Alamo. We remember these things because we're reminding ourselves this is what happened. And what David said is this thousands of years from now, when people are reading about this place, I want them to remember this one thing. This is the place where God broke through in my life. That God broke through like water would break through a dam and destroy it. God said, I will break through your enemies. I will destroy your enemies for your sake, and I will do it for my name. And God says, this is the place. And David said, this is Baal Perazim. Listen, we all need places like that in our life. We need to remember the time that God healed our body, the time God restored our families, the, God, the, the times that God met our needs, the time God provided a job, the time that God came through. Those are places in our life where we look back and listen to me, if it happened every single day, we would never understand the significance. We would never be grateful for the times that he did it. But God gives us those times so we can look back and say, God, I know you haven't done it yet, but you're a God of your word. You're a God who's done it before. You're the God of the pale parazine. You're the God of the breakthrough. And I know you did it once. I know you can do it again. And so this is the place where God did this. We need to look back at our life and say, I remember when he saved me. I remember when he delivered me and he set me free. I remember when he touched me and I was ministered to. I can tell you the place where God filled me and baptized me in his Holy Spirit. I can take you to the altar in Crystal Springs, Mississippi right now where God gloriously filled me. I could take you to the house on 332 East Cayuga Street where I knelt as a seven-year-old little boy at a love seat and I gave my heart to Jesus and said, Lord, save me and transform me. Those are moments in my life where I knew God did something in me and God changed me forever and I will look back and always remember what God did in my life. Amen. Josh, would you come play? I'm almost done. 
But today we find ourselves with obstacles. Once again, what do we do in the in-between time? I'm Pentecostal. I can get excited when God does something. We'll celebrate people like Leo walking in these doors when the doctor didn't know if he was going to make it. We celebrate things like that. I know how to do it. I love that kind of stuff. But what do you do in the in-between time when you're still facing the obstacles? I'm going to tell you something this morning. I want you to hold on to your seat. I don't want anybody to pass out. You ready for this? I am not a runner. I tried once in my life and it didn't go well. I'm a very fast walker. I can probably outwalk all of you fast. But running, that's another story. But I've been told, this is not firsthand experience, but I've been told that runners hit the wall when they're running. Their lungs begin to burn. That they want to quit and give up. I mean, here they, 13 half miles, whatever that is, 26.2, whatever. And in the middle of that, you think, I'm going to quit. I can't make it. But if they keep going, once again, I've been told, if they keep going, they have what they call breaking the wall, breaking through that. They break through that moment of feeling like I can't make it. And all of a sudden, they get their second wind. And man, all of a sudden, those lungs clear up. And for a moment, that fog begins to lift from their brain. They realize, I can keep doing this. And they keep running. And they keep going. And some of you right now, you are up, you are hitting the wall. Maybe you're hitting the wall spiritually. You feel like, Lord, I just need a breakthrough. I don't feel you like I once felt you. I don't, I don't sense your presence like I once sensed your presence. Let's be honest. We all go through times like that. Maybe practically, you say, you know what, I just want to quit and give up on life. I'm tired of life. I'm tired of everything going on. I want to quit my job. I want to quit everything. I want to move somewhere. I'm done. I'm just tired of it. I can't keep going. I want to quit on this thing. I'm trying to live a life of freedom. I'm trying to live a life where I'm set free from everything God, that God has set me free from all these issues. But I just want to go back. My, my old life looks good right now. And, and you're listening to the, the lies of the devil. And you're up against an obstacle, whatever it is right now. You're up against it and you feel like I can't do it. My lungs are burning. Preacher, you don't understand. I just want to quit. And God sent this preacher by this morning to give you some news that he is not finished. And he is still the God of the breakthrough. He is still Beryl Perazine, the God that breaks through every situation. And when you feel like you can't make it and you want to quit and you want to give up, they, the psalmist said, I want to quit except I believe. I could see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I didn't see it in the moment, but I believe that I could see it. So I kept going. I didn't quit. I didn't throw in the towel because I believe that there was more in store for me this morning. I want to tell you the best is still yet to come. And there is more in store for you. There is more for you than there is against you. And you may be coming up against an obstacle, but have you stopped to really ask God, God, what do I do? God, give me wisdom. How do I handle this? Are you trying to do it on your own? See, that's the good news of the gospel. You can't do it on your own. You'll never be good enough 
to accept his grace and his mercy. You'll never be wealthy enough or smart enough to earn salvation, but today through surrender. But then you say, preacher, I'm saved. I've been saved a long time, but guess what? We, have to, we also have to have those moments of surrender in our life. Where later on, we're saved, but you know what? We're hanging on to things, thinking, Lord, I don't want to bother you. you got a lot going on, and you got a lot of people to talk to. I'm just going to do it myself, and if nothing else works, then I'll talk to you. And God says today, make me your first option, because i got some wisdom I want to give you. And me, are you willing to listen and wait and obey? Are you willing to wait on his timing? Maybe you're in the waiting process, but here's the thing. The reason I go to the doctor and the doctors lie to us, we go to the waiting room, and they put us in another room, and we have to wait in there. They lie. They said I was going to see the doctor. No, I'm in another waiting room. They're smart. They don't call it waiting room two because they knew you'd get upset if they did. But the reason we sit in there and wait, you know why? Because we know one day, pretty soon, in a few minutes, that doctor's coming in, and we're going to be able to talk to him. And we wait in anticipation. I don't know about you, but every time I hear somebody go out the door, I think, there he is. There she is. Here's the thing. God says, if you'll just wait, my waiting room has a purpose. My waiting room, I'm doing something in that waiting room. And in that moment, if you'll just wait on me, then I'm going to open the door, and I'm going to come through. And I'm going to minister in ways you can't imagine if you'll just wait on me. Listen, wait, obey. And then we need to remember, listen. Right now, it might not have happened just yet, but God did it before. You're here, whether you ever realize it or not. Maybe you're not even saved today, but whether you know it or not, you're here today because God has made a way for you to get here, and God has done something for you. Maybe you've never even thought of it that way, but God has done something for you, and today he has you here for a reason. And so I just want you to know today, God is for you. He's at work in your situation. He is the God of the breakthrough. If you will give him a chance, will you stand to your feet today?